life, got it for cheap. Might hurt you once, but never no more. It's like trying to fly, but they clipping your wings, and that's exactly why the cage bird sings. Got it, got it for cheap. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Fifth Deck Podcast, the Athletic Toronto's Toronto Blue Jays podcast. I am your host, Blake Murphy, uh, recording this intro for the, the second time, because the introduction that I gave our favorite semi-regular guest, um, who is doing terrific work on the Toronto Blue Jays all season long at the Athletic Toronto, is real fair. Uh, how's it going, buddy? Blake, my man. Uh, always good to be on and talk Jays with you. A little better the intro that time around? Yeah, uh, I mean, second time is always the charm. That's what they say, right? Something like that. Something like that. Um, second time was the charm as your Toronto Blue Jays took on the Baltimore Orioles in game two of their uh, three-game set on Wednesday at the Rogers Center. Um, coming off, you know, Tuesday was one of the more boring games that I, I can remember being going to. Um, like 3 nothing Orioles lead early on, and then the Jays just didn't really threaten from there. Uh, this one was fun. Uh, a 4 nothing Toronto Blue Jays win. Uh, great outing for Marcus Stroman, who threw seven and two-thirds, uh, shutout innings, eight strikeouts, one walk, lowering his season ERA to 341. Israel, uh, Marcus Stroman, man, that's a, that's a damn good outing. Man, that's, uh, that's as good as I think I've seen him this year, and he, he's had uh, a few standout performances, but today he was uh, just two-seam, uh, had it in the right spot pretty much every time, and his, his slider was as sharp as I think I've ever seen it. So it was a, a huge performance for a guy. Not, not that the team was, was reeling or anything, but uh, I think they always say that uh, getting a performance from the guy that at this point is, is the ace of this staff and then having uh, the support with Justin Smoke coming through with the homer. But, I mean, uh, Stroman was the story tonight and really has, has put together a, a pretty darn good first half so far. Yeah, it's, uh, man, Justin Smoke. We're not going to talk. <laughs> Justin Smoke comes up so often. It, it, Justin Smoke came up in every single preseason podcast uh, <laughs> for the complete different reasons than he's come up in every podcast uh, since the season started. Um, shout out to Justin Smoke and that 957 OPS. Um, but yeah, that's not the that's not the topic today. You mentioned um, you kind of hinted at how important it is to get a, an outing like this from your ace. Um, and the Jays, you know, maybe not reeling, but uh, they now sit at thirty-seven to forty. Their kind of constant battle with being a game uh, under five hundred had slipped a little bit, and they had fallen a couple games behind five hundred in yep. almost a uh, you know, okay, you guys keep making jokes about us not being able to get the five hundred. What if we go really far from five hundred? See how you like that. Um, it, it's it's good. It's well timed. You want to? They probably want to take two or three in this Baltimore series uh, because you know the the Jays are only three and a half games out of a, a playoff spot. Baltimore is one of the teams between them. There are a lot of teams to jump. And then you want to be playing some good ball and you want to have some confidence when Boston visits this weekend, which is uh, you know you want to talk about a the right time for a team like that to come in. Um, Canada Day crowds are going to be awesome this weekend. Um, Chris Sale on Saturday too. How have have you have you seen Chris Sale uh, up close and live before? You probably have at this point, eh? This season, uh, he pitched here uh, for the Red Sox, and I did see him a couple times with the White Sox. And really, when I think you look at the American League starters, uh, he is he's probably the top guy. Um, that's a, the guy that comes to town and that you're really excited to see because he's got obviously electric stuff it's a funky delivery and uh i mean it's not exciting for jays fans because more often than not he's leaving with a w but uh as just a baseball observer yeah he's 
he's he's real tough and he's been really tough on the Jays the last couple of years uh they they do not uh, they do not do well against Chris Sale which I think uh I mean that if you can steal one in that game huge yeah, yeah, that, yeah that exactly I uh I sat not not saying too much on Tuesday I was at the game um as a fan not as not as media and I sat my friend Brian has season seats through work that are just to um the third base side of home plate and about 12 rows up 14 rows up um and they're they're unbelievable seats uh, for Joe B. Genie and Kevin Gossman, and I want to talk about Kevin Gossman in a second, um, you know, it, it's awesome being there anyway. But the idea of sitting in those seats where you're just a little off-center, um, getting to see the ball pop out of a left-hander's hand, like, I'm so envious of him, of whoever gets those seats uh, <laughs> from his work. Like, 12, 14 rows up, watching the ball pop out of Sale's hand from the left side. Um, man, baseball... Baseball's so one like baseball's good anywhere, but like some of the stuff that you get being really up close, it's crazy, man. It's I, I guess it's probably like sitting courtside for basketball, but yeah, and I think it's kind of one of those things like when you when you have like if you sit courtside in basketball anywhere else that you're gonna sit, it's gonna feel so much worse. Even if you're you know you're used to sitting up in the in the upper deck, and as soon as you get that exposure to those kind of seats, and you you see. Uh, and then like, again, it's not like, uh, you can't have fun at a ball game, not sitting in those seats, but yeah, Blake, you're totally right. Like if you get that experience of seeing a guy like Chris Sale pitch from that vantage point, you see how the ball spins and, and you see the, how, how the ball breaks. Uh, I mean, if that's the kind of stuff that you're interested in, and, uh, I know that we're both, uh, kind of nerdy that way. We, we, we like to watch that kind of stuff. It, it, yeah, it makes a, it makes a difference. And while the Jays hitters certainly don't like to see him, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him pitch again. Yeah. You know me down there reading swings like, uh, like so many Russell Martins. Uh, if anyone didn't check it out, by the way, your, your piece on Russell Martin and reading hitter swings was terrific. You can find that hey, at, the, at the athletic Toronto. Yeah, Russ was, uh, was great. Uh, it was something that I've been hearing now for the last couple of years. You hear it from catchers, you hear it from coaches, you hear it from pitchers. And, uh, I just wanted to ask Russ really what that meant. And he was incredibly insightful, uh, in depth. And, uh, there was a bunch of stuff that, uh, that didn't even make, uh, make the story that he was, he was really good on when he, uh, when he gets rolling on that kind of baseball terminology stuff and, and some of the ins and outs of the game, uh, he is, He's really as good as it gets uh, with the Jays for sure, and and I would probably put him up with with anyone in baseball in the league that that has the ability to kind of explain some of these, not necessarily complicated things, but um, some some things that are are very inside the game and that uh, people may find interesting. I certainly do, uh, and yeah, I mean I, the piece wouldn't uh, wouldn't happen without a, a guy like that being able to to explain uh, some of the things that that he sees from his vantage point. A lot of it too is like he's explaining stuff that you know it's hard to put into words probably because a lot of it is instinct and just like the way his brain works and the way his eyes work. Like it's probably hard to explain how you can you know tell that a hitter's swing. Like he could probably show you two videos and, and see it and, and you'd like show it to you but to describe like what to look for what he's seeing from that vantage point um it was great man and i have talked to russ about a few things before i've talked to him about luke Maley for that thing that i did talking about tattoo sleeves and beard oil um but not, <laughs> nothing nothing like that that was great man um so from where i was sitting no chris sale but kevin gossman and, and we are going to talk about wednesday's game because we want to be positive obviously um kevin gossman 
now has a 199 ERA over four starts against the Jays this year and a 607 ERA overall. What gives here, man? I mean, it is, yeah, like there have been a lot of mysteries this year, and that one ranks right up there because he has been terrible against everybody else. And for whatever reason against the Jays, uh, He's, he's had their number this year the couple times that he's faced them. And, uh, it, I mean, on Tuesday night, the bats were, were just not there. And that's something that we've seen a lot this season. I think we saw it a lot at times last season. It, it is not the offense of 2015. And they are going to have some nights where even against a guy like Kevin Gosman, who has not pitched very well lately, they – they just they struggle to to get runners on base. They definitely struggle to to hit for extra bases, and uh, they it's something that I think is just the reality of the team, and it's it's a reason that they had that bit of that that lineup shuffle uh, on the road last week where they stacked the deck a little bit differently to to really just reflect how players are are producing right now. Yeah, a um, little better little better Wednesday um, at least. Thing, things always look up. Um, speaking of looking up, you, we, we talked about Marcus Stroman quickly off the top. Uh, we can talk about him more if you want. Uh, but another pitcher who performed in this one, uh, and it's really it was really good to see. Uh, Roberto Osuna came in and struck out the side. He now has struck out 12.5 batters per nine innings. He's the owner of a 2.32 ERA. Uh, he's walked fewer than one batter per nine innings. He has probably been... You know, if not the best reliever in baseball, a top five one for sure so far. Um, man, we've come a far away from spring training concerns. Oh yeah, I mean it's it, this is as good as as well as he's pitched uh, since he's been with the Blue Jays, and that's saying something because the way that he impressed as a 20 year old a couple of years ago, and, and he really set a, a high standard. But he is he's been clearing that bar over the last two months here. We're putting himself in that discussion with the top relievers in the game uh he needs to do it a little bit longer to be considered in the same breath as craig kimbrell kenley jansen andrew miller roldis chapman Dylan batansis but his numbers right now those peripherals that you just laid out like uh, that puts him in the same conversation and he's been he's been huge for this team and it's 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 good to see him out there given um the the news when the team was on the road that uh, he was feeling uh, and dealing with with some anxiety as well. I mean, yeah, you don't we have, see we it have on a the mound. Coming up, um, we're gonna let you go sh- uh, early, and we have a segment coming up with Eric Crean of the Athletic Toronto, who normally a Raptors guy, but um, wrote a, a pretty good Roberto Osuna piece Very in good. response to that uh, as well. So nice to see Osuna put um, two really strong outings now behind him coming out of that. So um, yeah, I, I like how. You know, Osuna's really good. Osuna's been good for a couple years, and he's young. There's there's a good argument to turn him into a starter. There's a good argument that, you know, I, I don't feel this way, but it's been laid out in reasonable ways. So, you know, maybe you should trade him at, at the height of his value. And he's just like, nah, you know what? On top of everything else, I'm just refusing to walk batters now. <laughs> um, let, let's just push my performance to such an extreme that, you know, however logical starting or trading him or whatever is, it's just like, yeah, but, you know, he has a 12, 13 to 1 strike with the walk ratio, so maybe let's not touch anything right now. I think the the starting ship has, has sailed at this point. Um, Probably. With him. It's too many years of not building up the arm strength, right? Like, he's still young, but he hasn't, he didn't even hit 100 innings at any minor league season, I don't think, right? 
No, I mean when you when he dealt with the TJ at such a young age, that really, uh, and I think when he came back, the the belief was still that he could start. Um, but yeah, I, think I just that, I, I think that was the I think plan. he's comfortable down there now. Yeah, that's that definitely seems to be the case, and he always talks like uh, like he wants to be in the bullpen. Um, I would probably just show him the average earnings for a mediocre starter or an elite closer, but you know that's uh, maybe the ship has sailed. Um, it's interesting to look back and the the year that he kind of burst through and we had the Castro tsunami uh, duo in the bullpen. Like <laughs> had, had he not made the team that year, um, you know, had he been the last camp cut or whatever, he might have been starting in the minors and who knows what he is. Um, but what he is now is an elite closer and it's nice to see him have that. Um, little bounce back over the last couple of, of games. Someone who did not have that bounce back, and I know fans were really waiting on it and hoping that it would come, and you don't like to see this stuff happen to a guy who, by all accounts, appears to be a great guy and a great teammate. Um, Blue Jays said goodbye to Jason Greeley this week. Um, you know, it's possible he clears waivers and accepts a minor league assignment. Uh, maybe he'll want to, uh, you know, he is a 40-year-old guy. Maybe he'll want to try to latch on with another team. Um Thoughts, thoughts on Greeley on his way out the door? Yeah, I mean, what a what a run uh, that he had when he came over here. The expectations were pretty low, and the bullpen was in disarray. And really, for about three months, all he did was help lock down games. Uh, and then I think we started to see some of the the red flags, uh, maybe yellow flags, late last season. And, and this year, when the fact that he wasn't going to be in that setup role and um, the fact that there was guys, Joe Smith proved to be a, a shrewd offseason signing and a couple guys within the system and, and Ryan Tapera and Danny Barnes uh, showed that they were uh, better suited for that role. And to have a guy that is not going to give you that length as your sixth or seventh reliever in the bullpen is just, just not feasible, especially for this team that's had some injuries with their starters and the bullpen has uh, picked up a, a pretty decent workload, um, I think, just from kind of a, a team management, a roster construction standpoint. That went against him, um, and uh, I mean, he, he definitely didn't pitch well when, when he pitched this season, but it was a, a bit of a weird day. Um, down at the at the dome when news was uh released that he was he was leaving uh he had a, definitely an impact on a, on a lot of the younger relievers and uh was uh was a big part of the the run last year it's it's not a run that i think people will remember quite like the the one in 2015 just because it the one in 2015 is is one of the all-timers but uh when people think back to that 2016 team i think there's a lot of people that are going to remember what what he meant to that bullpen and uh, uh i mean he was uh, <laughs> the grilly cheese with the the fist pumps and uh he 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 made a he made an impact here in a pretty short amount of time uh, one old friend out the door now is shocked that they couldn't flip Jason Grilly for a Drew Storen or Joaquin Benoit or for a Jason Grilly. Um, you know, the way these uh, these relievers get shipped around. Uh, one old friend out the door, one back in, Jason Michael Saunders to a minor league deal today. Um, Saunders, coming off of his all-star year last year, had a pretty bad second half. Signed a one-year, $9 million deal with the Phillies this offseason. Uh, it did not work out. The 30-year-old uh, was batting 205, 257, 360. That is 57% of the league average at the dish when controlling for um, park factors and weather. That's a 57 WRC plus. That is bad. Um, are the Jays just seeing what, you know, kicking the tires, seeing if maybe a change of scenery gets Saunders right, maybe the patience to um, play a couple weeks in AAA? Like, they, they obviously need left field depth at some point, but if yeah. there, is there anything here? Is Saunders, you know, look, Saunders has a track record of being pretty good. Uh, and he's still just 30, but is this a bit of a long shot for him to 
you know, crack the roster at any point? Or I think there's a shot that he ends up up here uh if it maybe it's in september uh but i think yeah blake like they're doing their due diligence here they have a relationship with him uh for the most part uh a positive one um and they they've dealt with a ton of injuries this year so they're gonna go out and i think that like for him uh i'm, I'm sure even though Again, as you've laid out, he has not played well at all this year. Probably had uh, some options in terms of, of where he could end up and play in AAA a little bit. And the, the fact that uh, he's been in Toronto for the last couple of years probably just made it easier for him. And, and he's got uh, a level of comfort with some of the coaches and, and some of the people in the organization. And, it's, hey, if he if he can not necessarily catch fire but, but look okay uh, – he has been a guy that, uh, I mean, last year was the, the the highest of highs, getting to the All Star game with a great first half. But uh, has he's got some he's got some tools, and when that guy comes available at a at a low price, then why not give him a shot and and see what he's got and let him play at AAA for a bit. And if he plays well, then uh, hey, uh, see see if he can help you out at the major league level. Found money really at that point, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I I'm. It's still a little early for this. Uh, we're recording on June 28th. It's more than a month to the non-waiver trade deadline. Um, Jay's same kind of holes we've talked about in this space. Um, week after week, it seems like a little bit. You know, do you, do you have a sense yet of which direction the Jays might go in terms of filling these needs? Is it going to be, you know, flyers on the Saunders and uh, Joaquin Benoit type of moves? Is there, um, Drew, Drew Fairservice and I talked a little bit about Andrew McCutcheon. Last week, there were some second basemen that may or may not be available uh, if they stop all getting hurt. Do you do you have a sense yet, or is it still going to be a couple weeks before we, we get a feel for which way the Jays might go there? I would say right now uh, that second base is something that could happen, whether or not they kind of go on a, on a run here, um, just because they're not getting very much out of Barney or Goins offensively. And while they are both fine defenders uh, for the most part. Uh, I, I do think that if they're going to have any shot at contending in the second half, they're going to need a little bit more there, and, and I think they're aware of that. Uh, otherwise, I, I do think it's going to be something closer to uh, getting a Saunders, is probably trying to look for uh, a reliever, maybe a Jason Grilly type, but not necessarily <laughs> him, um, to, to, to shore up the, the bullpen a little bit and uh, I think they're the 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 wild card situation or just the standings in the American League are are, are so tight right now uh, that it's really going to think going to come down to kind of the internal evaluations of of this team from the front office. It's not going to be obvious uh, from the record uh, unless they go the other way uh, uh, and and then go on a ten game losing streak or something. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, the the second wild card spot is really kind of thrown the trade market for a loop the last couple of seasons where everyone's so close that the number of sellers is very, very small. And then it becomes a bit of a seller's market, but even those sellers are a little hesitant to deal. So um, probably the Jays aren't the only team whose trade needs or whether they're buyers or sellers is going to materialize uh, a little later. Um, looking ahead to this weekend, man, uh, so Boston's coming. They, of course, have one more with, with Baltimore and then a three-set with Boston. Um, some good pitching matchups. Francisco Liriano and Chris Sale on Saturday should be a lot of fun. Um, Sunday, I'm not sure what the plan would be otherwise anyway, but Joe Biagini kind of struggled again uh, in his last start. He's 
you know, he's not missing a ton of bats. Um, his walk rate is, you know, it, it's whatever. Um, but not not great. 493 ERA over his 10 starts. Um, his peripherals, if you're a believer in, in FIP or XFIP, a little stronger than that. But do you think Biagini is going to get another start? Is he going to, does he have more leash than maybe I'm giving credit? Um, what is his, what do the next few weeks look like for him as maybe another arm or two rounds into health? It's a good question. Sorry, um, I, sh- I shouldn't say two. There are no other. As Aaron Sanchez, if his finger yeah. rounds into health. <laughs> it does. It's a good question though, Blake. Like, um, I mean, he's definitely starting this weekend. And from there, then the decision comes uh, to whether Sanchez is ready to go uh, off of, of his rehab. Their their starts are lining up right now, so Sanchez would be on regular rest going off of uh, of his next rehab. And uh, then the decision comes uh, to what to do with Biagini. Do you put him back into that bullpen? And then you actually have a, a fairly decent uh, offering of relievers leading to, to Roberto Osuna as the kind of in a setup role and today uh john gibbons ruled out uh sending biagini to the minors as starting depth he does have options uh but he thinks that biagini is still too valuable for this team uh i think that the era maybe is a little bit inflated by a couple of those those really tough starts that he's had uh but he he, he's definitely been up and down uh but it hasn't been kind of a singular issue he's had some games where uh, he's walked a couple guys. He's had some games where uh, he's given up some some contact. So it's not like there's just one thing that you're looking at and you're like, okay, this is the the thing that Biagini needs to do better uh, to be more consistent as a starter. He's really just trying to t- to take this whole experience in, and and he's seeing that uh, it it is difficult. But I, I do think kind of overall he's he's been okay, especially when you consider what the, what the Jays got from some of the other guys that have filled in this season. Oh, yeah, for sure. In terms of uh, versus the replacement level there or even your a reasonable expectation for him, he's been he's been good. I'm, I'm just thinking ahead, um, you know, and again, yeah, there's some noise to those numbers. His, his ground ball rate has remained really strong, um, which kind of makes it his strand rate um, even more egregious. But, yeah, uh, I would I would agree with John Gibbons that the, the best move, at least if the Jays plan to um, continue forward and, and try to win, is Biagini maybe in the bullpen. Um, obviously, looking forward years into the future, into next offseason or whatever, um, you know, maybe maybe he's a more valuable piece starting now that he's shown he can hold up for five innings. Um, Israel, I've got one more thing to throw by you before I, I let you get going with your night. Uh, Darren Wilman, who is terrific. He is the creator of Baseball Savant. He's the person doing most of the MLB stack cast data that you see. Um, came up with a little visual the other day grading the speed of every player by <laughs> position in Major League Baseball. Um, if I told you that the Toronto Blue Jays had the slowest player in baseball at three different positions and that Kendris Morales was not one of them... <laughs> Man, um, so Morales was not the slowest DH. Um, Albert Pujols came in as the slowest DH. But the Toronto Blue Jays boast the slowest first <laughs> baseman, the slowest right fielder, and the slowest shortstop. Right? First base, shortstop, right field? Yeah. Unreal. And pretty much and everyone else is below average. The, the I mean, for me, the biggest upset is that there are players in the big leagues that are slower than Kendrys Morales and that one of them is Justin Smoke. Yeah. I mean, I I find that hard to believe. It's by, a, I think it's by a point one. 
so it's i mean i maybe they gotta get these guys and and have them race yeah uh, to figure out if, if this data is is legit yeah no one's thinking this team is a base stealing team yeah right like um yeah maybe uh though based on what my eyes tell me i would uh i would say he's uh he's lumbering out there as well yeah the blue jays with 29 stolen bases this year uh 11 of which have come from kevin pilar so yeah that's uh that's pretty much your source of of threat on the base pass right there and he can't get a base anymore so that's gonna that's gonna dry up um, man that's been harrowing the last uh, the last couple weeks um okay man any any party shots on uh what's happened the last couple of days or what is to come this weekend before we let you go here i think i'd just say that uh i mean in, in baseball you always kind of try to to put the the season in segments uh because it's kind of the way our brains work and i think that it's pretty obvious that this is a very important segment uh, for the Blue Jays with the Orioles, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and then closing it out with, with the Astros right before the All-Star break. And if if they are able to manage a, a positive result from, from here, then I think that there's, there's reason to be optimistic, not just about what this team can do uh, in the second half, but uh, be optimistic that the front office will, will see a team that, that with a couple of upgrades, um, could could be a contender because the American League outside of Houston and I guess you could make the argument for Cleveland and that means that there's no team in the East that uh, has established itself as as a bona fide playoff team yet. Uh, it it leaves the Jays in a in a pretty interesting spot and when you're going to add Aaron Sanchez who last year was. Uh, about as good as it got in the AL. Uh, it changes the math a little bit, and so if, if they they're able to get some of these wins here, then uh, I think whenever we we chat again, uh, whether whether it be around that time, uh, we'll have a, a much better idea of where where the Jays might be headed, not just this year, but uh, long term. Yeah, it's exciting stuff, man. Exciting stuff. It's gonna be a fun couple of weeks. I can't wait. Summer league, Las Vegas summer league on the NBA side is kind of my. Um, usually each year I don't get to a Jays game until after the Raptors are eliminated from the playoffs, but then after summer league's over when basketball dries up, then I'm at the park like a couple days a week. I've only been to, I think, six games so far this year, so very much looking forward to getting out there, enjoying the weather. Um, I hope all of you listeners take uh, take it at a nice Justin Smoke speed for the long weekend. <laughs> um, be sure, obviously, to check the Athletic Toronto if you're not watching the games or if you need to catch up on your NBA free agency. Eric Green will be... Uh, you know, on call for the the big, big things happening on the Raptors side. Uh, and we'll actually be back after a quick break with Eric Kareen to talk about Roberto Osuna. Israel, thanks so much for coming on, man. Hey, Blake, always fun, dude. Take care, all right? All right, we'll be back after this. Got it, got it for cheap. Hey, welcome back to the Fifth Deck Podcast. I'm still your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me now for uh, a quick chat. He wrote a terrific thing at the Athletic Toronto uh, this, this weekend in response to the Roberto Osuna news. Uh, he is my co-host on the Raptors Reasonables podcast on the Toronto Raptors side. Eric Green. Eric, thanks for coming on, buddy. Blake, it's lovely to talk to you up here on the fifth deck. Up here on the fifth deck. Um, minutes, minutes after we recorded the Raptors podcast. No, don't don't ruin the facade like that. Look, I, I'm I'm hoping there are some crossover fans that listen to both, and we'll we'll probably know that that we yeah. I mean, it's just efficiency. It's that's all it is. Yeah. yeah, and nothing's more important than efficiency. Oh, things are more important than efficiency. 
Like uh, mental uh, health, Eric. Yeah. Uh, good that, that sounded cheesy. I didn't mean it to be intentionally cheesy. Um, yeah. Over the weekend, it came out. So after Roberto Osuna did not appear in a safe situation, uh, in a game the Blue Jays would go on to lose, uh, Osuna had not been under a particularly heavy workload. He hadn't pitched the day before. Um, it was a bit curious. Manager John Gibbons said um, Osuna was feeling under the weather. He didn't, or he's not feeling well. He didn't say anything more than that. Uh, the day after, on Saturday, Osuna came out himself and through a translator um, admitted that he was what sounds like uh, mental health issues. He has not been diagnosed with anything publicly, but he said he's been feeling anxious and lost and not himself. And the fact that he's been absolutely dominant on the mound and among the best closers in baseball um, was not helping in that regard. And Eric, you wrote a really thoughtful and personal piece on Osuna's comments and Osuna's situation um, for The Athletic. And I just wanted to bring you on and let you kind of, you know, for anyone who didn't read it or, or anyone who wants to hear you go into it instead of read, um, uh, your thoughts on the Roberto Osuna situation. Well, I'd prefer you read it because I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. But uh, <laughs> um, first of all, before I get into that, uh, John Gibbons deserves a lot of credit for sort of handling it the way he did on Friday night. Uh, and um, maybe he knew that Osuna, he probably knew that Osuna was going to uh, address it in his own fashion on Saturday, but that's uh, not an easy thing to do when the obvious question after a really annoying loss, <laughs> I was so mad on Friday night, not that he didn't use Osuna because I figured there was a good reason, just as somebody who, you know, is a Jays fan, it was really annoying to see them yeah. lose in that fashion. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's important that you let somebody control uh, their own story and their own health and what they're dealing with. So, first of all, bravo to the Jays and uh, specifically to John Gibbons uh, for handling it like that. But um, I wrote what I did because I've, uh, as I've written about before, I've had my own issues with anxiety uh, and mental health issues in general. Uh, and before I went through them, uh, it's a really difficult thing to understand. And it's a really difficult thing to understand how this guy who's 22, uh, one of the best, you know, at his job in the world, you know, top five, top 10, wherever you want to put them, uh, top one, uh, uh, could all of a sudden not feel like himself. And again, we don't know what he is. He used the word feeling a bit anxious, I don't know if he's ha if he has an anxiety disorder, and it's not our business unless they decide or he decides it is. But when I heard when I first experienced anxiety uh, to this level, not like day to day anxiety, am I going to get this piece of work done? Am I you know going to be adequately prepared for this test? But like you know, actual you know chemistry of my brain anxiety uh it was one of the most destabilizing things probably the most destabilizing thing i've ever felt um and not that i've had this you know troubled life but it's just it becomes impossible to in the moment to use logic and reason to get your way out of a situation to get your way out of that spiral so you keep on thinking and thinking and thinking and trying to say, well, my life is like this. My life is good. And, and, you know, funnily enough, when I first started dealing with it, my life was like going pretty well. Like I, I was at a, 
in a good place. Uh, I had just been hired by the athletic. Uh, I, I was in a very good place, uh, in my relationship with my lovely girlfriend. Uh, and it just hit me and I had, you know, something close to, or, or a panic attack at a wedding, basically. Uh, and for the next few days was just completely out of sorts. And I think it's, you know, for people who haven't dealt with, it it's a very very hard thing to understand how you can't just put yourself in the moment say no my life is good and be done with it but that's not how it works like the, it's almost like in the moment the more you think about it the digger the deeper you're digging a hole um so i think it's important to try and empathize with him uh I, you know, I really related to him when he said, I wish I knew how to get out of it, because that's what we do in trouble in, in these situations, right? Like, when there's a bad situation in our life, we're taught to try and problem solve our, our ways out of it. But, you know, as I've been told by people who know much more about this than I do, you know, some, you know, a lot of different things can help. Uh, prescription drugs can help. Exercise can help. Therapy, whether it's cognitive behavioral therapy or therapy or talk therapy can help. But, you know, the unfortunate thing is that sometimes it's only time that helps. And uh, I wanted to make all of that as clear as I could. And so that uh, for those who have dealt with anxiety, they could, you know, feel another voice there with them. And those who are just looking at Osuna from the outside and not understanding it, maybe it could help them understand some of what, again, he might be going through. And um, uh, and again, the other thing I related to was how he said he felt best on the field. Uh, like I, you know, distraction is probably the most helpful thing for anxiety, I found. And, uh, you know, being immersed in work or be, playing basketball, like even recreationally has helped me a ton. So when he said like, this has nothing to do with how I feel on the field. That's when I feel the best. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, and I, I agree with most of that. And I've experienced some of it myself. And, um, you know, he'll, if this is a new thing for him and they're still figuring it out, um, it might take, you mentioned the need for time. It might also take um, time to figure out, you know, which of the other things that you mentioned could help works best for him. Um, yeah. I know for me, cognitive behavioral therapy didn't help at all. And it was mostly just frustrating. Um, but exercise helps a lot, which is, uh, it's great that my foot has flared up again. <laughs> um, this isn't about me though, but if you, if you don't understand, or if you, um, you know, don't see why he can't separate the two things, the biggest thing to keep in mind during all this and the, the big, the best thing you could do for whether it's for Osuna as a fan who you don't have a direct impact with, or whether it's with someone, you know, in your, in your life that might come forward with something like this. Um, empathy is the best thing you can do. You're not going to be able to fix it, which is really important to, to recognize. Um, you might not even understand exactly what's going on, but being empathetic and listening um, is super, super important, and it's really all that anyone who's in that situation would want from you anyway. So just be empathetic as best you can. Um, I mean, there are resources if you want to read and learn more about it too, but empathy is uh, already within you. Uh, Eric, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing, man. Thanks for uh, letting me talk about it. It's um, 
I don't want to say it's nice, but, you know, in sports writing, sometimes it can seem like, especially with the amount of data analysis we do, kind of, it can seem kind of cold and calculating. Not that I don't love it, but it's, um, it does my heart good to sort of get into more real world issues and uh, maybe not help people, but, you know, maybe make us feel like we're closer to one another than than otherwise we might feel uh, because these are this is the stuff that matters really what really matters is the hot take so give me your hottest Jay's take before we let you go man uh, um, John Gibbons is a good manager is that a hot take I don't think so oh I think anyway. it's a, I think it's a divisive take but it is not um, it's not provably wrong. He's a good manager, and they should not fire him, even if they continue to be mediocre. That's my take. Yeah, it's uh, crazy what, uh, you know, that your bullpen management suffers when you're on, like, your 13th reliever of the season already. Yeah. Um, anyway, Eric, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. We will talk to you in this place again next week. Got it, got it for cheap. Might hurt you once, but never no more. It's like trying to fly, but they clipping your wings, and that's exactly why the cage bird sings. Got it, got it for cheap.